Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. Babylon was the most beautiful of cities. There it had uh, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, these hanging gardens. Its streets were wide. The building projects that Nebuchadnezzar undertook were absolutely spectacular. You could ride chariots on the walls around the city of Babylon, and there the Euphrates River ran right through that city. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see you're changing our lives so we can be our hands. Babylon was a golden city, renowned for its beauty, architecture, and infrastructure. One day, King Nebuchadnezzar was looking over impressive Babylon and admiring the view. He foolishly took credit for the beautiful things he saw. At that very moment, God stripped the king of everything, including his mental faculties, so that King Nebuchadnezzar would know that it was God, not man, who sits on the throne. Pastor Ed teaches us today to combat insidious pride by always giving God the glory for the things that He has done. Now here's Pastor Ed with part one of today's message entitled, Testimony of a Proud Man Made Humble. May I encourage you to take your study notes home and read them and spend time with them and go through this fourth chapter. It's a powerful, powerful chapter. The title of the message this morning is The Testimony of a Proud Man Made Humble. The Testimony of a Proud Man Made Humble. Pride just seems to be one of the sins that have captured and captivated the American culture. Now, it's always been a problem. It's listed among one of the seven deadly sins. And pride is the root cause of so many others. In a recent speech in 2014, the columnist for the New York Times, David Brooks, said this. Fame used to be a low value. Now fame is the second most desired thing in young people. Now, Brian Robbins, whose company creates YouTube channels for teens and tweens, told The New Yorker, when you speak to kids, the number one thing they want is to be famous. They don't even know what for. Similarly, the pop singers Years ago, wouldn't have composed songs about their own greatness. Now those songs dominate the charts. Nebuchadnezzar is drunk with his own pride. And because of that, he can't see God clearly, nor does he see himself accurately, nor does he relate to his world properly. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, made this statement. 
According to Christian teachers, the essential vice, the utmost evil is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of the mind. Pride blinded Nebuchadnezzar even though God was speaking to him again and again and again. And I want you to see from this chapter several truths that God is gracious and he graciously warns his people. The gracious warning of a compassionate God. God speaking to this man, Nebuchadnezzar. In verse 13 of chapter 14, it says, In the visions I saw while lying in my bed, I looked, and there before me was a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. This is Nebuchadnezzar. God's giving him another dream. Another vision. Now, if you go back to chapter 1, Nebuchadnezzar is commissioned by God to capture Judah, to bring the Israelites into captivity. Now, God says that he permitted, he used Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was his servant to accomplish his purposes. Now, he didn't know God, but God was still using him. And one of the things that's important to recognize is that Jeremiah prophesied to the people of Israel. He said, recognize that this is God's judgment on our nation and don't resist Nebuchadnezzar because God's using him. So it was God that gave these people into Nebuchadnezzar's hands, his success as a king. Now, in that first chapter, he notices that the three Hebrew boys and Daniel are amazingly wise. He says, ten times better than all his other helpers, the astrologers and all of those around. Ten times better. He recognizes there's something different in them that God is working through them and in them. And then as you go into the second chapter, he has this terrifying dream. And he's not going to tell anybody what it is. And all of his astrologers and wise men and they're in fear of their lives because he said, unless you tell me what I dreamed, I'm going to take your life. Don't give me some false interpretation. And they can't do it, but Daniel can because God speaks and reveals what uh, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed of. And, and Nebuchadnezzar is awestruck by the fact that God has revealed history through the centuries to him. And he's shown him a panorama of the coming kingdoms. And he recognizes God is very special, this God of Daniel. Now, he forgets. He simply forgets. And he had that dream, and he was the head of gold, and it went to his head, and he made a huge, huge gold statue of himself, 90 feet tall, eight feet or so wide. And he says, everybody has to bow down and worship it. And you remember the story last week. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into the fire. Soldiers are burned. As soon as they come near it, they're consumed. And these three guys are walking around, and Nebuchadnezzar gets up, he rubs his eyes, 
There's a fourth man, and he looks like the Son of God in the midst of that fire. And again, he recognizes there's no God like Jehovah. He's stunned by it, and he he makes a decree. This is the real God. Don't speak anything against him. But still, he's on this journey. He's still a polytheistic. He he believes in a number of gods. You could see that in this fourth chapter chapter. Uh, Theologians and Bible commentaries are divided whether he came to faith in God or not. You read the chapter and you decide for yourselves. I mean, there's curiosities about him, but here he is and he's going to have a dream and all of a sudden he wakes up in a cold sweat. God has once again spoken to him and he's going to call for Daniel. So God speaks through a dream. Uh, Last, Daniel came in before him, and I told him the dream. This is Nebuchadnezzar. He was named Belshazzar after my God. See, that's the confusing part. He's saying Belshazzar after my God, still somehow in thinking of Madark and these other gods, and the spirit of the holy gods in him. I, I said to Belshazzar, chief, of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you so that no mystery is too great for you to solve. Now, tell me what my dream means. Now, we're going to take a look at the Bible text and we're going to read some of what happened. So I'd like you to open your Bibles. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. And in the New Living Translation, here's again, Nebuchadnezzar speaking, I was lying in my bed This is what I dreamed. Verse 10, I saw a large tree in the middle of the earth. The tree grew very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. Now, Pharaoh in Egypt is called a tree. You're called trees. Psalm 1, like a tree planted by the rivers of living water will be prosperous, like a yeah, and Psalms talks about being that oak tree in the, in the house of God. And, and so here this tree is referring, of course, to Nebuchadnezzar. He doesn't realize it at the dream, or at least he doesn't get it at this point. The tree grew very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. I had fresh green leaves. It was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade, and birds nested in its branches. All the world was fed from this tree. Now remember, he had the largest of all kingdoms, empire. Babylon just stretched right across the world at that time. Then as I was laying there dreaming, I saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. The messenger shouted, "'Cut down the tree!' Lop off its branches, shake off its leaves, and scatter its fruit. Chase the animals from its shade and the birds from its branches, but leave the stump and the root in the ground, bound with a band of iron and bronze, surrounded by tender grass. Now let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live like an animal among the plants of the field." For seven periods of time, let him have the mind of an animal instead of a human. For this had been decreed by the messengers. It is the command by the holy ones. The purpose of this decree is that the whole world may understand that the Most High 
rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses, even to the lowliest of humans. Oh, Belshazzar, that was the dream that I, the king Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, tell me what it means, for no one else can help me. All the wisest men of my kingdom have failed, but you can tell me because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. I want you to see first that God is speaking to Nebuchadnezzar in this dream. That's the first sub-point. Can we put that up, please? He is speaking. He speaks through his word to us. The passage reaches up, grabs a hold of our heart, and we know it's God speaking to us, perhaps through a dream. He does speak that way. Perhaps through a vision or a prophetic word or just in the quietness of your own soul like a shot of lightning from heaven. You know, God said something to you. God had been speaking to Nebuchadnezzar for literally decades. Decades. But Nebuchadnezzar is a very slow learner. And some of us are in the same class with him. (laughs) Many of us. Daniel is going to come and he's going to give him the interpretation. And so we're going to just look at verses 19 to 27. Upon hearing this, Daniel, also known as Belshazzar, was overcome for a time, aghast at the meaning of the dream. Finally, the king said to him, Belshazzar, don't be alarmed by the dream and what it means. Notice this. The king's compassion for Belshazzar Shazza or Daniel, and then Daniel's compassion for the king. I mean, he really cares about the king. And you could see this. Belshazzar replied, Oh, how I wish the events foreshadowed in this dream would happen to your enemies, my lord, and not to you. You saw a tree growing very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves. It was located with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade. The birds nested in its branches. That tree, your majesty, is you. For you've grown strong and great. Your greatness reaches up to the heaven. And you rule to the ends of the earth. Then you saw a messenger, a holy one, come down from heaven and saying, cut down the tree and destroy it. But leave the stump and the roots in the ground bound with a band of iron and bronze surrounded by tender grass. Let him, notice now it's talking about a person. So it's, it's, it's switching. Let him, it's, it's realizing this is a person. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him eat grass with the animals of the field for seven periods of time. This is what... The dream meant, your majesty, and what the Most High has declared will happen to you. You will be driven from human society. You will live in the fields with wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow. You will be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. I'm going to just stop at that point. 
God is speaking through his servant to Nebuchadnezzar. Notice his attitude. There's a humility about Daniel all through chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 4. There's not pride, there's not arrogancy, there's not a, I gotcha. I've heard people give prophetic words of judgment, and right away I could write it off. I might be speaking about someone or something. You know how you could often tell? What's their tone? Is it guided by love and compassion and the heart of God? Or is it a vindictive, angry spirit and what is stirred in them is their own negativity? Seriously. Daniel's there and he is concerned deeply about Nebuchadnezzar. What's going to happen? And and here in this deep concern, God's going to speak to the king through him. Now, Watch what he tells him. Look at verse 27. King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning. So what he tells him is, listen, stop doing this. Put off this in New Testament terminology and put on this. Put off the works of the flesh. Put on the fruit of the Spirit. He he tells him, King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past. And he named some specific things. Be merciful to the poor. Babylon was the most beautiful of cities. There it had uh, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. These hanging gardens. Its streets were wide. The building projects that Nebuchadnezzar undertook were absolutely spectacular. You could ride chariots on the walls around the city of Babylon, and there the Euphrates River ran right through that city. It was absolutely incredible, but it was built on the backs of the poor. He was oppressive, and so was his regime. And here God is saying, don't oppress the poor. Don't be wicked. Now, I'm going to take a sidebar for a moment, and I'm going to go back to Wednesday night when we had our study group. One of the signs of a Christ-like Christian spirit is a deep concern for the poor and the needy. That's built into the very character of God, placed in his word. And for those who embrace him, it influences their actions. And right here, God is speaking to this incredibly powerful man, the most powerful man of his day, and says, start thinking about the poor, the needy, the oppressed. And we should, as Christians... And so I I want to encourage you to have that type of concern. And so he gives him what he ought to do. He says, now you got to repent. He's going to tell him, you got to turn, you know, you got to change. 
perhaps then you will continue to prosper. Now watch the next scene. Twelve years, no, I mean, twelve months rather, pass. Now, at first, Nebuchadnezzar is thinking about it. Yeah, I'm concerned about this. But then as weeks turn into months, and months eventually become a full year, he's forgotten the warning of the Holy Spirit. He's forgotten the warning of God. That can happen. And here, Nebuchadnezzar, just simply on a stroll over his roof. And I want you to see what happens. Twelve months later, you see what happens. And it's a pride that leads to a fall. You see the consequences of a forgotten warning. And now you see pride that's going to lead to his fall. It says, Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built? as the royal residence, by my mighty power, and for the glory of my majesty. Now, picture with me the scene. It's maybe early morning, maybe it's towards sunset or sunrise, and he walks out from his palace. He could see those hanging gardens. They were absolutely beautiful, terraced with trees and plants. You know, he built it for his wife. Yeah, she, they, they say that she missed the country that she had come from, the hill country, and so he built this incredible, massive garden where you could walk through. It was just absolutely breathtaking. Then he would look down the streets. They were wide and beautiful. Over 50 or about 50 temples in that city, rebuilt them, many of them. And this gate, it's in a, part of it is in a German uh, museum. Absolutely, the architecture and the beauty and the paint, it's just spectacular. He was into architecture. He was into building. He had accomplished a lot. It was the largest city in the world at that time. It was the most influential city at that time. And all of a sudden, he said, Look what I have done. Man, oh man, I'm a somebody. You you could be uh, thinking about your job. And you look at what you've done at your job. And you're a good employee, and that's fine. But then all of a sudden you think, boy, I know a lot more than the boss and a lot more than those who came before me and who will come after me. (laughs) Or, Or maybe you're writing an article and you write this article and you think, wow, hmm, Max Lucado, move over. (laughs) Or you just, you're in a class and you're teaching and and that. Man, I am some teacher. The Bible tells us that we are to boast in one thing alone, boast in the fact that we know the Lord. Every gift that we have, no matter what it may be, has been given to us from above. God gave Nebuchadnezzar the position he had and the abilities he had. 
The book of Daniel has some of the most loved stories in the whole of the Bible. We all remember the story of Daniel in the lion's den, a wonderful story of God's deliverance. Each day here on Building in Faith, Pastor Ed will continue teaching through the book of Daniel. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. There you can find today's message. The only thing you need to remember is today's date. Again, to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith and to access the archive of messages, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Building in Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Building in Faith. Your word restores.